Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. So good, so good, so good. What a privilege it is. The corporate gathering. What a privilege it is, isn't it? Something we get to do, not something we have to do. Something we get to do. We get to all be in one place at one time, worshipping one God in one heart, in one spirit, for one purpose. There is nothing else in the world that comes anywhere near that. What we're doing right now is eternal. We'll still be doing this when we are no longer on this planet. This is the only thing we'll still be doing when we are no longer on this planet, is worshipping our awesome God together. That's the only thing that we take on from here. That's a pretty awesome thought, isn't it? I can see your brain meets ticking over. Get the concept. But what, but what I love about our Father is that not only does he want to be enthroned in our praises in eternity, but he wants to be enthroned in our praises right here on earth. Right here, right now. He wants to be enthroned in our praises. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, But you are holy. Who agrees that he is holy? And you are enthroned in the praises of Israel. You are enthroned. Think about that word, enthroned. When we praise God like we've just been worshipping him, we've just been praising him, what we are essentially doing is building a throne on the earth. We are building a resting place for the presence of God to come and be seated among us. We are building a throne with our praises. We're not just singing some nice words. We are actually creating a place where the presence of God can come and be enthroned. Or in some versions it says he inhabits our praises. He comes and lives among our praises. The King of Glory comes into the room when we praise him. Isaiah says that he was enthroned. Isaiah says, I I looked and I saw and I saw the King of Glory enthroned and the train of his robe filled the temple. That's how big he is. That's how awesome he is. That's what happens when we glorify him with all our heart, with all our soul and with all our mind. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Again, a picture of how awesome, 
how sovereign, how mighty our God is. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. So you get a picture of him sitting in heaven. I know it's not very throne-like, but it's the best I could do at short notice. I almost rang Jenny and said, do you have a gold throne in your castle? Bring it. But it was at like midnight last night. So she might not love me for that moment of inspiration. So here's our gold throne. Heaven is his throne. You can just imagine our mighty, awesome father resting on his throne in heaven. Earth is his footstool. He's just like, yeah, my footstool. I got it covered. I'm in charge. It's all good. I, I ordained all this. I know exactly what season the planet's in right now. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. The day of my return is drawing near. And nothing that's going on right now, down there, is shocking me, troubling me, removing me from my throne. Nothing that's going on in there right now is shifting me from my throne. I'm all good with it. But then he goes on to say something else. Where is the house you will build for me? Where is the house you will build for me and where will my resting place be? So right now he's taken us from heaven to earth and he's saying, yes, I inhabit heaven. I have a throne there already, but where is my throne on the earth? Where is the place where I can come and inhabit? Where is the place where I can come and sit with you? Where my presence can come and be seated among you? Where my glory can rest? Where is that place that you will build for me? In your worship, in your praises, in your adoration, where is that place? And we know that the glory of God means heaviness, don't we? The glory of God means heaviness. And it says that he, his, in 2 Chronicles, his eyes are searching the whole earth. His eye is roaming throughout the whole earth, looking for those who are fully devoted to him. He's looking for a place. He's looking for a place that has a strong enough foundation for his glory to rest. He's looking for a people. He's looking for a people where his glory can come and be seated among us. He's looking for a people that are firmly grounded in knowing who he is and who we are. And that's what worship does in our hearts. That's what praise does. It reestablishes through our declaration. We know how mighty our God is. We know how good our God is. And as long as I have breath, I will praise him. As long as I have breath within me, because it's the very reason that he put breath within me, is first and foremost that I should praise him, that I should adore him, that I should put him on the throne of my life. He's looking for a corporate throne. He's looking for a corporate people. He's looking for a people where he can come and dwell among us. And he's looking for thrones in our individual lives. 
When you are a worshipper, you build a throne in your life where his presence can dwell in you, with you, all over you, overflowing out of you. When you are a worshipper, you build a throne in your heart. And one of the things that I simply love and are so passionate about in worship is that other things are dethroned off of our hearts. That if we have come into his presence and anything else has taken that sovereign place in our heart during the week, he can gently lean in as we lean in and remove all of that out of our heart and take his rightful place again in the throne of our heart, in the throne of our life. Worship realigns us. It realigns us. It reminds us of who really matters, what really matters. Eternity. It reminds us of eternity. Isn't that great? Who needs to be reminded of eternity every now and then? We're building a throne. Why did God tell Moses to build a tabernacle? Why did he ask Solomon to build a temple? Why does he tell us to gather in, in this building regularly? Because he wants to dwell among us. He wants to be close to us. He wants us to know him and he wants to know our hearts. That's why he said, build a place for me. Build a place for me. Build a throne for me. And I believe that's what God is saying to his church in this season is build me a throne. Build me a throne. Build me a throne in your heart, in your life, in your gathering. Build me a throne. Build me a throne. I'm looking for a people where I can pour out my presence in a greater measure. I'm looking for a people where I can pour out my presence, the weightiness of my presence, and it won't crush you and it won't puff you up because you are grounded, you have a firm foundation. He's so good. Who's glad that he loves being with his people? He's not a far-off God. He loves being with his people. He loves us so much. So what is it that attracts his presence? I want to know what attracts his presence. Do you want to know what attracts his presence? What attracts his presence? Jesus said to the woman at the well, when he just healed her whole life, he just met her there and he said, I know every pain and every trauma that you've ever been through and I've come to give you living water that's going to heal you right here, right now. And you're never going to go searching in all the wrong places again because I've come to show you the way. Is there anybody here that Jesus has done that for you? He's healed you. He's restored you. He's shown you the way. Tripping over his footstool right now. 
And when that happens in our life, there has to be a response, doesn't there? Our response to our healing is our praise. It's our worship. And her response was, how do I praise you? Where do I praise you? How do I thank you? How? Which mountain should I go to? I want to know how to do it right. And he said, it doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter which mountain. But there's a time coming and there's a time that is now when the true worshippers will arise. When the true worshippers will arise and they will worship me in spirit and in truth. You know, what I think really attracts the presence and glory of God is truth. Truth. When what our mouth is saying and what our heart is believing is the same thing. It's the same thing. Even if it has to be God, help me. God, help me find you in this moment. But let it be true. Let it be true. It's got to be truth. Because he's not attracted by our rhetoric. He's not attracted by our saying the right things, singing the right things when our mind is thinking about lunch. That doesn't attract his presence. Just like if I was telling my husband I love him but my mind was thinking about what I'm going to cook for dinner. It's not, that's not real. That's not authentic. What attracts him is our authentic worship, us being real with him, us being true with him, us being aware of what state we're in and how much we need him right now, how desperate we are for him, maybe how far we've We've walked from him in the last month or so, but hey, God, I'm coming back in this moment. That's truth. That's truth. That's what attracts him. Jesus said to the Pharisees, your mouths, your lips praise me, but your hearts are far from me. That's religion in a nutshell saying the right things, turning up to the right things, going through the motions, but our heart's not really in it. That doesn't attract his presence. So it takes one moment to realign our heart. It just takes one moment, one moment to say, where's my head at right now? Where's my heart at right now? Am I really present in this moment? Am I really worshipping in this moment? Am I really, like Stephen said, with my life laid down, I surrender now? Am I really meaning what I'm singing right now? Because when we really worship in spirit and in truth, he goes, yep, I can rest my glory on that foundation. That's a foundation of authentic truth. Yeah.
after he says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool, he goes on to say in verse 2 of Isaiah 66, this is the one I esteem. This is the one that gets my attention. Do you want to get God's attention? This is the one I esteem who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word, trembles at my word. One who knows the truth of my word, the weight of my word, who knows how precious my word is. Can't live without it. That's the one he esteems. I believe there's a revival coming of true worship. Yeah. It's easy for it to become about a lot of other things. Worship's been marketed. Worship's been... Been a lot of other things, but about God first and foremost. There needs to be a revival of true worship. Spirit and in truth. I believe God wants to pour out his glory in such a way that we won't want to leave this place. We won't want to leave his presence. We won't have to ask you to come and kneel at the altar. There'll be people running to kneel at the altar. We won't have to ask you to... The prayer meetings will be full. The churches will be full. The altar will be full. People will come and not want to leave. The salvation call will be full. I believe God wants to pour out his glory in in such a way that it flows out of this place into our city, that it flows out of these four walls into the streets and people that are driving past suddenly feel the presence of God and go, there's something going on in there and for some strange reason, I feel like it's going to fill this empty void that I have in my life and I have to go in there and find out what it is. I believe that God wants to pour out his glory in such a way that when you walk into your workplace, people go, there's some some presence on that person that I don't know what it is, but when I'm around them, I feel this peace that I've never felt before and I need to ask them what it is. Does anybody else believe that? I believe that's what he wants to do. But it starts with our surrender. It starts with our surrender. It starts with a simple prayer in truth and authenticity that says, God, I'm yours. Do whatever you want to do in me. Holy Spirit, come and possess me 
that word possess freaks us out because we've only ever heard about it in a negative sense, being possessed by evil. How about we are possessed by the holy God, the holy of holy of holy of holies, and say, I am yours. Come and do in me whatever you want to do in me, Lord. Make me look so much like Jesus. Transform me into the likeness of your son. Yeah. Come and do whatever you want to do in my heart, Lord. That's powerful prayer. That's a scary prayer. And you don't want to pray it without really meaning it. <laughs> and people have said to me, oh, you're such a chilled person when you're not on the stage. And then when you get on the stage, you turn into this ball of fire. But I don't, I don't want you to think in any way that this is any kind of performance. Because <laughs> when you pray, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. And you really mean it. He does it. He does it. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit, yes, I'm normally a fairly chilled, quiet person, but the Holy Spirit doesn't conform himself to our personality. He does not contort himself to align with our personality. He is an unquenchable fire. And when he fills you and his anointing comes on you, it is an unquenchable fire within you that you can't contain and you don't want to contain it because it's his empowerment. It's his glory that he wants to fill us. He wants to fill every one of us. He wants to fill you with his glory. He wants to fill you with his power. He wants to fill you with his anointing, overflowing, overflowing, full rivers, rivers, rivers of living water. And it not only refreshes you, but it refreshes everyone that comes in circumference of your world. That's what he wants to do. That's our purpose on this planet, is to be living, breathing in the likeness of Jesus, walking on this earth. That's what he wants to do. And it starts with our true, authentic surrender. It means laying down our pride and going, God, I don't care what it looks like as long as you have your way in my life. I don't care what I look like, as long as you have your way in my life. <laughs> as long as I can represent you on this earth. I don't care if people label me a Jesus freak, because that's what I am. That's what I am. There was this groovy song that used to, you know, in the 80s. 
I don't really care if they label me Jesus freak. There ain't no denying the truth. It sounded a bit country and western when I sang it, but it wasn't really. It was a bit more grungy than that, wasn't it? I'm not sure what style it was. It was the 80s. Say no more. It was the 90s. Everyone's correcting me. Hey, it was over 30 years ago. Don't you hate it that when, when people say 30 years ago, you think they're talking about the 1970s? And then you realise they're talking about the 1990s? And you're like, oh, I can't be that old. Oh. Oh. See, we have this distorted belief that the enemy plants in our mind that if people come in here who are unbelievers and we're too over the top for God, that it's going to repulse them. What actually attracts people is when Jesus is in the house. When Jesus is in the house, when the presence of God is here in such an amazing way that people go, what is going on here? Because it's what they're really hungering for. And we think, oh, we can't be too over the top in worship. There might be somebody here who's not saved. And they might think we're all wacky. Well, the wacky, crazy, passionate zeal for God is what they're thirsting and hungering for. It's what they're so hungry for. We don't have to tone it down for people. We've got to fan it into flame, fan it into flame, fan it into flame, fan it, fan it, fan it. Has anyone been fanning their flame? James 1 says that if, if we're just hearers of the word and not doers of the word, we're like someone who looks in a mirror and then turns away and forgets what we look like. So when we gather here on Sunday and we open the Word of God together, it's for us to put this into action through the rest of our week, not to go, oh, it was, yeah, that was a good word, yeah, um, I'll just forget about that now and get on with my usual week. It's no. Be doers of the Word. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers of the word. Put it into action. Ask God, what does that look like for me? What does that look like? What does that surrender look like? What does that worship look like? What does that look like on Monday? What does it look like in my life? And I'm not saying that worship is just what we do on Sunday when, when the worship team get up here. Worship is how we treat our husband. It's how we treat our wife. It's worship is how we raise our children. Worship is the time that we spend with him when, when it's not Sunday. Worship is how we treat our, our boss. It's how we conduct ourselves in our business. Worship is an authentic, 
true lifestyle of honouring God in every single thing we do, in every breath that we take. That's worship. But worship is also when we gather on a Sunday and we get to celebrate the goodness of God corporately. And we are pretty blessed that we have a beautiful worship team to lead us. We are so blessed with resources to enable us to enter in easily into the presence of God. We have lights, we have music, we have a smoke machine, we have amazing gifted people to lead us into worship. But we don't really need those things to worship God. We don't really need those things to worship God. And where do we learn how to worship God? Here's a question for you. Where do we learn how to worship God? Is it something that we learn from the culture of the church that we grew up in? Is it something that we learn from following the example of others? Is it something that we, that we learn from our own preference of music, what we like to do to show God that we love him, what we're comfortable doing? I, do we ask the Father, how do you want me to express my worship to you? Because it's all about you. It's not about me, what makes me feel good, my favourite song. Oh, this is my favourite. I'm going to get into this one. Oh, we've sung that for 20 years. <laughs> it's no songs that we've sung for 20 years. But there's some good ones that come back occasionally. But the, the only authentic pattern of worship is the biblical one. This is the best place that we can learn how to worship our awesome Father. And I'm just going to really quickly list off some scriptures if you want to write them down. I'm not, we're not going to read them all because we don't have time. But Psalm 92.6 talks about singing praise to God. Psalm 32.11 talks about shouting about God's goodness. Stephen was shouting in worship this morning. And some of you might find that offensive. I wish that pastor would be quiet in worship. He's doing what the Word of God says to do. Shout about how good God is. There are several scriptures that talk about these things. I'm just giving you one. There's at least five on every topic that I'm about to mention. Worship God with instruments. There's an example of that in 2 Samuel 6.5. Clap, Psalm 47.1. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yes. Psalm 134, verse 2. Raise your hands in holy worship. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a biblical thing. Raise your hands in the presence of God. Dance. Psalm 150 verse 4. Did you know that people danced in worship? We need to, before people danced before idols, we need to take back dance in the church. 
He doesn't belong in the nightclubs. He belongs in the church. First and foremost, it's an expression of our worship and our joy for God. Bowing down, Psalm 95 verse 6, kneeling before God, lying prostrate before God. It's in the Psalms. You know, in Zephaniah 3.17, where it says, He rejoices over us with singing. Let me read you the scripture. I've got time to just quickly read you this because I want to get it right. I love this scripture. The Lord your God is with you, a mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. You know that word rejoice there? In the Hebrew, it means to jump exuberantly. He will rejoice over us. This is what our Father does when we worship Him authentically. He rejoices over us. He bounds over us. And He says, look at my awesome children. Look at them. 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 They're rejoicing. They're praising me. And I'm dancing with them. Just just get that picture of the Father in your mind next time you want to not dance in worship. (laughs) Next time you want to go to sleep in worship. And there's nothing wrong with letting the presence of God minister to you. But there's so many ways to worship. And our bodies are living, breathing, worship-making machines. These hands are for clapping. These hands are for raising. This voice is for singing. These feet are for dancing. Why is it that we can all in this room hit a note simultaneously and create a chorus of worship? Why is it that God created us so that we could harmonise with one another, so that we could sing together, so that our voices could create this amazing, loud shout that can produce amazing decibels. Stephen has a voice that can hit notes that my ears scream at. That's amazing. His passion is so good. I, don't, I can't create that kind of volume with my voice. But I love it. I seriously love his passion. There's so much more. There's so much more that I could say right now. But we might revisit this topic another day, hey? I heard that Ken spoke about worship at youth recently. And it was amazing. Ken has such a heart for worship. I love your heart for worship, Ken. He's up here at the front a lot of Sundays just laying it all down at his feet. Just laying it all down at his feet. I love that. 
I love that. God loves that. Jesus said to pray. I'm going to finish on this. When the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, our Father, who is in heaven, on his throne. Our Father, who is in heaven. Honoured, esteemed, hallowed, holy is his name. Prayer starts with praise. Prayer starts with praise. And then he says, and then and then pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me be enthroned on earth as I am in heaven. How do we bring the kingdom of God from heaven to earth? How do we bring the presence of God from heaven to earth? How do we invite the glory of God to come from heaven to earth? He's enthroned in our praises. He's enthroned in our surrender. He's enthroned in our authentic worship, in our true worship. He's enthroned. We need his presence on the earth, not just so that we can enjoy it, but so that those that don't know him can encounter him. we're not bringing heaven to earth for our city then who is if we're not praying for our city then who is if we're not praying for our nation then who is who is it's what we're called to do if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves humble themselves, be real with me and seek me, pursue me, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Does anyone know anyone that needs some healing in their life? Does anyone have a burden for our city that needs healing? Then we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. 
and we need to bring heaven to earth on their behalf. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble themselves. Lord God, we humble ourselves in your presence right now. God, we know that our agenda, our run sheet, the things we pursue, apart from you, we just lay them all down at your feet, Lord. Because nothing appears to you. Teach us to seek you. To worship you in spirit and in truth. Teach us, Lord. Teach us. Set a fire down in our soul, Lord, that desires your presence above all other things. If that's your prayer, if that's your prayer this morning. Just agree. You can agree right where you are and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I surrender to you in this moment. Yes, Lord. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.